subtle skills, big results. Welcome to the Ninja Selling Podcast. Welcome back, ninjas around the globe, to the Ninja Selling Podcast. He's Garrett. I'm Matt. And we, as always, are super excited to be with you today. Before we dive in, the usual, check out our Facebook group, The Ninja Selling Podcast on Facebook. It's massive. It's awesome. The fastest growing community in the universe, as you all know by now. In fact, uh, I say that so much, Garrett. I get when people like send me messages, they like hint at those little things sometimes. And I'm like, huh, that's funny. I like that. They'll be like, yeah, I, I'm in the group. You know, the fastest growing one in the universe. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know that. So check out that Facebook group. And if you are the first time here, or maybe you've been listening to us to a little bit and don't really know Ninja Selling, you're not familiar with what Ninja Selling is, dive in at ninjaselling.com because if you like what we have to say here, you're going to love what's behind Ninja Selling, the incredible system that Larry Kendall has created. You get all the information there at ninjaselling.com about installations, coaching. You can get access to the book that he wrote. You can also get that on Amazon. And it's wonderful. So, Garrett, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. How are you? I'm fantastic, man. It's Friday. It's sunny here in South Carolina. I know this is coming out in January. This is our first episode of 2023. But we're still gearing up for Christmas here. And uh, as it gets closer, I get even more excited about that. We did the lights last night. It was so much fun. This is a fun time of the year. And I was just telling somebody the other day who has a very young child, I said, just just wait. Like This is where Christmas becomes, and this time of the year, the holidays and everything becomes so much fun as to watch children's faces. And someone said it to me years ago. They said, a child around the holidays makes the holidays that much more special. Matt, you and I were talking about like the magic of the holidays. And I think that's the fun part of the holidays for so many children is there's this magic element around it that they don't understand. But it's just magic. It's just amazing. There's twinkling lights everywhere. There's music playing. Everybody's just a little bit nicer to each other during the holidays. The amount of people that stop and talk to you and wish you happy holidays and things like that. Like, it's really an incredible time of the year that we, you know, as everybody's listening to this, we've just gone through. We're now cleaning up the holidays. Everybody who's listening, the lights have coming down. Everybody's kind of like going back into their old, uh, yeah, I'm not talking to that person. Might be pulling them down as you listen to this episode, right? Yeah. We just came through this, which is an amazing time. And I think it's very fun to watch it all kind of come together. And, and uh, I got kids that are getting older now. So they're like, you know, Christmas break. That's all they care about. They don't care about the lights. It's just, I want that break time, right? We just need the break. Give us the break. Well, man, I'm excited to be going down uh, the path with you today. Another another episode. And uh, where are we going today, Matt? Well, you brought this up as a continued conversation. We had Larry on. I, I want to say it was in the maybe Q2 of this this year, where we talked about the third great migration, which has been this move to remote work, really. And that has facilitated state-to-state moves, moves from cities back to more rural areas in certain cases, or just maybe more suburban, have seen a lot of suburban growth over the past many years. And and that's not really a, a pandemic thing. It just kind of had a little boost during that, in my opinion, because there was plenty of suburban growth going on prior to that as well. But a lot of people have been thinking, oh, this is done, right? That's now happened. That's done. And you said... No, 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 no. It, it's it's just getting started, this third great migration. 
I had this conversation with Larry because I've been watching this shift happen out here and what's going on and all of these changes that are happening. And and Larry brought up the third great migration, which just to bring it back real fast, we call it the third great migration because the first great migration was people moving from the East Coast to the West Coast. Second great migration was people moving from farmland into the cities. And then we have this third great migration, which is this work from home, work from anywhere, shift around the United States, or people just picking up and saying, I am done trying to make this work and we're going somewhere else and we're starting something all new, switching everything up. I've been kind of watching this movement and then we have all these people reaching out and they're going like, well, what does this mean? And like, are people going to stop moving now? Is that shift over around the United States? Uh, what does 2023 mean? And are we going to see the amount of movement again that we saw in you know, this last couple of years or are people just going to settle down and stay put for a while? I started thinking about the analogy. This is where I called Larry. I'm like, let me throw this to you and just see what you think. I said, I don't think we're done. I said, I think this third great migration, we're just in the early kind of stages of it. We saw a a rush movement around the beginning of it, which if we compare this back to the first great migration, there was a moment where everybody's like, let's go west. And the stir came up across like the East Coast. Let's go west. We got to go west. And there was a movement of people that really like all of a sudden it went that way. And they made it to, let's just say, the Midwest. We'll use Kansas as an example. They got to Kansas and they're like, okay, we're here. Like, we've been moving west. Let's settle here. And some people settled and they set up farms. They're like, this is our place. There's a huge other group that said, no, this isn't it. I just went through a winter here and I'm thinking we need to keep going west. And a lot of those people kept moving west and they got to the front range. And they saw this huge mountain mass in front of them and they went, let's settle here. Like, let's put our roots down here. Let's, you know, make our farm, set up our fences. Like, let's make this work here. And there's a a lot of people that went like, I hear there's gold on the other side of these mountains. Like, I keep hearing back from people that are in like, maybe we should keep going. Maybe we should take that trek over these mountains and see what we can find on the other side. If we use that analogy of the first migration and we lay it on to where we're at right now, I have a feeling we're all in Kansas right now. (laughs) I think we're all sitting here kind of going, is this our place? Should we put our roots down? Should we make this our home? What if we tried the next town, the next area, because we're not fully settled here yet? We haven't set up our stake of land 100% yet. We haven't met the neighbors like we would if we fully settled here. And I'm watching people that are in that place. They've moved to a new area, but they still don't have all their normal services set up. They don't know where they're getting their haircut regularly because they're still trying out barbers. They still don't have their bank yet because like they they got a bank over here that's housing their money, but you know, they want to still talk with other banks and kind of figure out which one's going to be their bank moving forward. We have all these things that when you settle in a city, like I look at writing that I'm in right now, I know exactly if I need to go have tax advice done, where I'm going to, who I'm going to talk to. I know exactly if I want to go get a haircut. I know the place I'm going to go to, I'm going to call, I'll have an appointment later on this day, and it's going to be a great haircut. I don't have to think twice about it. I know exactly if I want to go get some stuff for camping, where to go. I'm not going to look on my app and go, what are the best stores for camping supplies and whatnot? Like, I know exactly where to go. I am settled in Reading. This is an easy town for me. If I pick up and move, I got to figure all that out again. But if you're not settled yet, it's an easy move. 
And Matt, that's what I think is where we're at right now. So we have a lot of people out here who, who have not settled, put their roots down yet. And they're like, I like it here. It's cool. But what if? Yeah, I agree. Anecdotally, I've uh, been hearing from agents that I work with that they have people who've made moves out of area, out of state who contact them and say, hey, you know, I'm not sure this is actually where I wanted to go. And I want to highlight, this is different than maybe those surveys that are asking like, hey, do you regret anything about your home purchase? This is a completely different scenario. Those are more locally based, I would think. But I'm hearing more of those than I had before. And what's interesting is, is uh, we were chatting about this and I was like, yeah, this, this makes a lot of sense. I'm curious what data shows. Like, are there you know, a lot more people that are moving state to state and what does that look like? And there is a lot of data that you can dive into this. And so I'm choosing at the moment to look at some of the synopsises that people have done according to census data. And one of the interesting things that I think came up, which it highlights that there's a lot more factors that go into people making a move. Now, just from a pure moving standpoint, because we were thinking, man, 2021, there were so many people that moved, right? And according to census data, 8.4% of Americans did move. Nearly 28 million people made a move in 2021, just over 17% of that being a state-to-state move, or 4.8 million people moving state-to-state. Now, that's people, they're not highlighting households necessarily here, and that does not relate to home sales. And you'll be like, wait, wait how, did, how did 28 million people move? What were the numbers really quick again? So 2021. So 2021, uh, according to the census, at least what this article is referencing the census data on, is 28 million people moved in the United States and 4.8 million people made interstate moves. This is what I love about stats because that seems like a lot of people. It does seem like a lot of people and people are like, whoa, but how is that possible? Because only like 7 million households sold. So like, it's like, okay, well, there's a lot more people in the household. There's also rents and all these things that we have to consider. What's interesting is now overall, 8.4% of Americans moving seems like a lot, but it's actually the lowest since the census started recording moving data in 1948. This is what they say. Half as many people move each year now than did in the 1950s. Interesting. Matt, this is where I love data and stats. And this is why I enjoy having you in my life so much because you're the first one to go like, I'm going to look that look that up. Let's figure that out. And I'm like, I've got a gut feeling. Like I go on gut feelings. Like, what am I hearing out there? Like this is by talking to people. And what's interesting is like, when you said this to me, you threw this at me a little bit earlier. And I was like, huh? Like, wait, <laughs> from what we just saw, we're at the lowest we've been since 1948, and we have about half make a move and shift around every year. Like it drops by that. Like if I'm hearing you correct, right? Yeah, that's correct. And now that's that's all moving. So getting to this third migration is a whole kind of other layer into it, which it's harder to pull stats from. And I just kind of cherry picked some census tables here because they don't, unfortunately, at least on my easy, simple Google search this morning, could not find you know a, a nice, easy state-to-state move chart trend thing. So I'm actually pulling out the spreadsheets. And like 2011, you know, there's like almost 7 million. 2019, there were 7 million people who moved states or resided in a different state, which at 4.8 in 2021, if these stats are right, that's a lot different, right? It's like here, I'm looking at this chart, 2019 state-to-state migration flows, Total number, United States. Now, there's a little 
footnote here that I probably should go read to better understand. Oh, the footnote is United States does not include Puerto Rico. Okay. 7.4 million people had a different state of residence than one year ago. That's in 2019. But now this article is saying it was 4.8. Now the census doesn't give me a spreadsheet for 2021 for, for some strange reason. So there is something weird going on there that we need to look into the data a little bit more. But when you start to look at it overall, I think there's other things that we also have to consider when it comes to just general moves, which make up the majority of moves overall. Need a bigger house. Uh, want a different school district. Back in the day, it was like, I would prefer to have a house with air conditioning. I would prefer to have a house where the entire home is heated, right? I would prefer to have three bedrooms versus two. There was a lot of different factors that go into making people move other than migrations. So I think this third great migration that we're talking about goes undetected for the most part because it's not the number one reason why people move. But I do think it's happening. And I think it can play a significant role in a realtor's business. Here's my thought about this. So as you're sitting here talking, I'm on the site, How Money Walks. And if anybody doesn't know about How Money Walks, it's a great site. It'll show you where money's coming from, where it's going to state by state. And also then it'll break your state up into counties. So you can actually see your personal county, where money's going to and where money's coming from. And you'll notice on here, if you look at this, there's bright green states, which says money's coming in. And there's bright red states, which says money's going out, leaving. People are fleeing the country or the state. Not that dramatic, but people are moving away from the state. And so we've got like Washington, Oregon, Nevada, Arizona, Colorado, Texas, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida. You guys are collecting people right now. Collecting money. People are moving that direction very fast paced. You have other areas like California. Man, a lot of people move in other areas from California, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, Maryland, New Jersey. All these areas have people moving out of these areas. And those are the extreme ones. Uh, there's lots of others that are seeing people move out. So Matt, maybe the data goes like this. In normal times, maybe everybody just was nicely kind of shifting around the United States. Like people were coming in, going out, you know, these different states. And what we're seeing right now is, is we have, yes, a lot of people moving out of their state if you're in a certain state, but maybe we have also a lot of people that are going like, who would have left their state going, I'm not moving. This is my state. I'm staying here. We might've left before, but now we're staying. So we're not watching like this shift all over. We're just watching certain people shift from certain areas and the rest of them just go like, I'm staying put right here, which means that it can look like people are fleeing and moving all over the place, but it's just certain areas and it just makes it look that way. Right. Interestingly enough, too, I just I just pulled up the census article. This is straight off the census website from early this year. And the headline is, is pandemic did not disrupt decline in rate of people moving, which highlights that there's been this rate of decline and they have this really fascinating chart ever since it like peaked here. Now, I, there's a data gap here. So I'm sure there's, you know, we get better at collecting data that things change too. They're like, that's not important. Let's just leave that out. Yeah. I mean, the government just like, they're just like, oh, let's just look up at everybody's iPhone and see where they're going. Uh, that'll get our data for us today. But, you know, peak is like near 1985 and it just goes downhill. 
And the mover rate in 21 was the lowest. It's been 8.4%. Garrett, which interestingly enough, we take into this account of when we're calculating, hey, what's the opportunity inside of somebody's database? And we used to say, hey, about 15% or so. That's when the average mover rate was somewhere between 12 and 15%. But now it is. it has dipped under 10% officially. And that's just how people are moving. I can't argue with the data. I am curious because again, I mean, all my stuff, we talk about like, you know, how many years somebody holds on to a house. And I was just talking with one of our coaches about this, about like how long, you know, you hold on. She was saying they're watching the tenure for people to stay in homes is getting longer and longer and longer. And I do think though, and I've watched this in people's databases and businesses that they built for years where not every database is created equal. And if you've got a database of an older generation, like I look at my parents, the last two homes they've owned, one they owned before was for 15 years. The one they're in currently right now is another 15 years, actually, I think longer than that right now. In my lifetime of living them, homes they've owned, this is their third house of me living with, like me in their life. They're very different than me. Like, because like, I look at like my life in the houses that I've lived in and I've owned, I have far surpassed them in my shifting around the United States. But I also think that's just an age bracket that you're in. And I think it's important to look at as you're looking at your numbers and, oh, what statistically will my database return to me based on what the data says and things like that. You got to look at what is the age range of your database. And if you've got a database that's in that like 25 to 45 range, there's a good chance you're going to have way more movement out of that database than one that's, let's say, 45 to 65 and 65 to 80. There's just a different level of shift that's going to be happening in there. I think it's good to understand as you're, you know, I mean, yeah, we have national stuff that's going to cause everybody to move, but there's also just those life changes. And that's where it all averages out to that whole everybody holds a home for seven years kind of thing. This is where I think the third great migration will play a role longer term. And whether or not at that point we call it a third great migration because it just takes so long is interesting because if you think about it, the majority of home purchasers are married couples likely with children, according to NAR. And it makes sense that they're not going to make a county or state move. Right. Because if they're like, hey, this is where my family is, the school system, there's so many things that would drive, unless there's a major job change, they're probably going to stay there just from a logistical and cultural perspective where we just don't generally think to move very far when we have things established. And so I, I think this is where you say it's age related for sure. But now with the opportunities of remote work, with travel, even though it feels like maybe we're in this era where travel has not gotten any faster or easier or more convenient necessarily in the past, let's say 10 years, right? Maybe 15. Luckily, they have charging stations every 100 miles. Even with an electric vehicle, it doesn't get you there any faster. It's actually now getting you there slower. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, planes are still planes. Trains are still trains. Boats are still boats. And I know we're working on some forms of faster travel or access maybe to faster options that are smaller, less commercial. But with travel being what it is, that's the way it is. So the remote work, the digital travel that we make is kind of a big role. And as new jobs are created with that, and as the kids graduating out of college over these past few years and the decade to come, 
I think that's going to be a group that might be more comfortable with movement because of the digital access to things, digital access to schooling as well. You know, I think that can play a role. But one thing that I just don't think will change is our cultural or our inherent enjoyment and desire to be connected to the people around us. You have friends, you have family, you know, you're probably going to stay. I do think that as we live longer as well, you're going to see more family members make moves towards each other and move with each other, which then creates, okay, this one group of people moves and that's like six transactions because both grandparents need to buy and sell and the core family unit needs to buy and sell. I think that's going to happen as people continue to live longer and live in their homes longer. So I think those are some factors that we can't see in the data now that are going to contribute to this migration of what you talk about. And I think like if I look at like my world right now, like it's funny as I was just talking with my parents just the other day and we're looking at, okay, so movement that we're going to be making in our next couple of years. And I was telling my parents, I said, you know, I would love you guys to move down and closer to us. And my mom made the comment like, well, how do we know you're going to stay there? Like that you could pick up and go and, and make a move. And now we've moved down and now you're gone. And it was really interesting. Is like, okay, so Sarah and I are in a stage of our life where it's like, we know where our parents are at. We know the ages that they're at and the needs that they have. And, and we're kind of like, we'd love to have our families together, as you were just saying, bringing everybody tighter in. And saying, look, like this is the stage of life we're in. We're going to make sure these guys have us around and they have help that they need. And I don't want my parents just, you know, being by themselves in a assisted living or things like that, even though there's amazing assisted living places. It's like, I would much rather have them in one closer to us so I can go see them every day and be around them and, and share that time with them. On the flip side, and this is why I'm sharing this, is my really good friend that he picked up and moved from Sacramento to Nashville. And when he was making that move, he and his family are not super... I mean, they are close, but like they're not like, I need to have you around and have dinners all the time. They're more like holiday type relationship family. He's picking up and he's like, I'm leaving. He goes, I'm not that close with my parents and my family anyway. He goes, I'm going to make this shift. And it's really funny. His family like was like, what are you doing? we're all here. We're all in California. We all live together. Your sisters are here. You know, mom and I are here. Like, where are you going? And he's like, look, we don't see each other in the holidays anyway. Nothing's going to change. But you could sense the stress all of a sudden that came up of knowing that his son was not in his backyard anymore. The convenience of his son in the backyard for many, many his whole life was there. Now it's not. This is that whole talk that I'm saying of like, we're in Kansas right now. He's picked up. He said, I'm moving west. And there's a very good chance. There's people that moved all the way to Kansas. Again, analogy of the first great migration again. Don't get lost with me here. But they're in Kansas and they might go, we're going back to the East Coast. This is great and all, but I don't want to go push any farther and, and settle you know, new land or whatnot. Like We're going back home to where it's comfortable, what I understand. I think we're going to watch that movement come back. And going back to my conversation with Larry, he had made a comment about mountain towns in Colorado. And this is like way bigger than Colorado, but this is where it hit, you know, his backyard. And he said, you know, there's a lot of people that in the digital area, they picked up like we can live in the mountains of Colorado next to ski resorts and all this kinds of stuff. Let's do this. What an opportunity. And they get up there and they realize, oh, okay, so we need hospitals closer by and there's not the hospital that we have, like when we lived in the big city, like, okay, that's a little bit of a concern as we're in maybe the stage of life that we're in. Let's go check out the school districts. 
oh, they don't put a whole lot of emphasis into the local school districts in these mountain towns. Like, well, that's a little disconcerting. Like, maybe we need to go back into the cities where we can, you know, raise the kids and have them go to certain schools. And we have that, like all these options at our fingertips. There's people that moved up to the mountain towns, not thinking about all that stuff. And yes, they bought the house and yes, they can work remotely. And they're starting to realize like, (laughs) oh yeah, there's a reason at that point in life we were choosing to live down there before and we might need to go back. I think this is this continued shift that we're going to start to see happen over the next couple of years. I don't think these movements are done. I'm fascinated by the data, Matt, that you shared that says that it's declining every year. I think that looking at the stats and what we're really watching like at our fingertips out here is if I talk to almost any realtor that I know around the United States and we talk about, are you seeing a shift of people moving in and out of your area or people that are just settling down and being like, this is my spot. I'm not going anywhere. Everybody would agree that they're watching a movement of people around right now. I think we're going to see way more of it coming up here. It is not over. We're in Kansas right now. I agree. And I think there's another statistic I want to highlight and then a comment I have as well of what this means for the individual agent, particularly as we're looking at 2023 now. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, So are there going to be enough people that move so I have business to do? Yes, there will be. The census also asks a question of reason for move. Now, in terms of how they categorize this, they have like up to five asterisks in the past 10 years as they've changed the way the questions are worded, but I think it still makes sense based on what the um, the footnotes are here. Other as the reason for move. So they have four categories, housing related, family related, employment related, and other. Other was less than 10% from 99 until 12, and then basically was non-existent for 13, 14, 15, and 16. Maybe for many reasons great recession, whatever it is, but then all of a sudden started taking up the 10%. And then in 2020 was the highest year of other. And 2021 was still a very high year of other while housing related, at least in 19 and 20 being only 40%, which was one of the lowest and about 45% in 2021. So you have this other category, which based on their footnotes, also includes some of these things that we talk about in the Great Migration. Lifestyle. Maybe it's a um, future spouse that I'm moving for, whatever it is. But people are choosing other over a job or maybe a housing need. And I think you see this as part of this net gain of the South and net loss of the Northeast that's happened over the past five years. Not saying that lifestyle in the Northeast isn't good. I love living in the Northeast. But when I talk to people who move to the area that I'm in, a lot of people say they're moving for a lifestyle over anything else. I mean, and that's just anecdotal conversation. Now, what does this mean for the individual agent in 2023 and beyond? If, if people start moving less, like our transaction is going to go down. The Realtor.com's report predicted 4.5 million sales in 2023, which by the way, if you've been listening and following along, would be one of the lowest we've had in the past two decades. Last time we saw fours was 2008, 2009. That said, if you're looking at your long-term business, first of all, that's still plenty of transactions for any agent to run an incredible business off of. And appreciation is still there. So agents are making more money per transaction than they ever have. There's an asterisk there too, I guess. But the lifetime moves that people make is still very similar, right? I mean, the average lifetime moves being over 11 moves in a lifetime 
and this is part of us living longer. We're working longer as well, for better or for worse. But a lot of realtors that I know that are at what other people might consider retirement age, I certainly don't for those of you because they're living vibrant lives and they love what they do, right? So they keep working. So if you look at the opportunity, the lifetime opportunity that you have in your database, if everybody there has an average of 11 or more transactions over their lifetime, not only is that for them, that's also for the people they know, the amount of opportunity you have to work with them, to work with their friends and family is incredible, regardless of what the overall national data is, because I think markets also eat themselves out. People will exit, people will come in to this industry. And so as an individual agent, I think we're fine. But I do think coming back to the beginning, Garrett, of the third great migration, it's something that we should pay attention to and be aware of. Yeah, I think it's, again, looking at paying attention to our people, paying attention to the you know the sales that you've had in the last three years. I just talked with an agent just the other day, Matt, and she was like, it's funny. She was my last two listings. She was for people that I sold a home to two years ago. It's like they're in the process of saying, hey, look, that house was great. It worked, but it didn't fit all of our needs. Let's keep going here. I think we're going to see a fair amount of that in this new year. And you don't get the, with the numbers that Matt and I are sharing of like less and less and less homes are being, you know, or people are moving, let's say, whatever that might look like. The thing you also need to pay attention to, and I've said this to many people, probably said it to all of you, is that I have never seen a better relationship type marketplace that I'm watching right now. People are confiding in the people that they know and trust and their friends to be like, hey, did we make the right decision? And hey, we need to make a move and we're nervous about what this all might mean. And who do you trust in your world? Or they're turning to the people that they trust. And if you're that trusted person in their world, they're not going around and getting on the internet going like, well, we trust Matt, but let's see what our options are out here. They're going to Matt and they're saying, look, well, not all of you to Matt, but like, you know what I'm talking about. It's an analogy. They're going to Matt and they're saying, hey, like, you're my trusted advisor. You're my person. How do we do this? Where do we go? That is going to happen, I feel. And I've already watched it happen. I think we're going to see it more and more and more as we continue to push forward here through these next, you know, three, four, five years. It doesn't mean less sales. It means that we are going to have more opportunities around us as relationship type salespeople. I just want to encourage all of you. Very bright. And I'll highlight this too. So mover rates have declined over the past decade, while home sales have increased. So take that for what it is. Where are you getting your stats, man? What are you looking at? Well, movers includes renters, right? Yes. Oh, that's true. And people moving also could mean somebody moving to a home that they already own because the moving stats census is just, where's your primary address? They don't ask if you bought or sold. I mean, I think maybe they do on the census, but they're not including that. I know that's like a, wait a minute, we just listened to this whole episode and now you're just going to throw that out there at us to just totally screw with us? Yeah, I am totally going to screw with you on that. And this is why data is interesting, important, but also mm, take it with a grain of salt. Let's just throw this last little piece out here and then we'll I'll wrap up this episode. We are watching an aging population. Our older population is getting older and older by larger numbers. Like I just heard a a podcast the other day and they're saying if you want to really like get a census of what's happening in or an idea of what's happening in general society, look at the amount of adult diapers purchased compared to children's diapers that are purchased. And it will give you a sense of of the aging population. 
And they actually track this in societies. They look at it. I'm serious. Not making this up. They track this in societies to figure out like, where is the population? Are we heavier on the younger generation or are we heavier on the older generation? And this is a shift that they watch as populations start to gain more of the older population, people living longer, all these things to less people having children. And if you think about that, and Matt, you talk about people moving, not necessarily home purchases, but movement of people, we probably have a large amount of people that are moving in different cities, different areas into assisted living, into you know where they're not buying their next home. They are at a place where they're like, let's pull the money out of our house. Let's live in an area that is not our place of what we own, but we're renting now. We might be seeing some of that too. Might just be a little element in here. I think this also highlights we could be at a at a inflection point, which when you look at history as a as an entirety, inflection points can probably last a few years here of the change in how we own and use real estate as well, for better or for worse, right? And you're going to have a lot of people moving. You're going to have, uh, I think, a, a return if that was... I mean, I think this was a thing back in the day. I don't know. I wasn't alive back in the day, from my perspective, of multi-generational households, of, I think, people buying households and holding them and then their kids using those later on. So those kids may move, but they may move into a home that they already own or their family already owns, but still be independent. And so I think there's a lot of different dynamics that are at play here, which is awesome. And this is the opportunity as a realtor, because there's so much, guess what? Your conversations are going to be fantastic. You get to learn all of these things that are going on in people's lives and help them find opportunities to achieve what they want to achieve with real estate, which means transactions are always going to be there. Transactions are still going to happen. New homes are still going to be built. Existing home sales are going to happen. Our population is growing despite a decline in the number of people moving or the mover rate. Even if you look at that, mover rate can go down and you can still have a similar number of people move every single year compared to the total population. So data be damned. It's going to be a great 2023. I could talk about data and look at data for a long time. We could do a Joe Rogan style podcast if we really wanted to on this and like just go for three or four hours. Oh my gosh. But I think I'll refrain from that today. So I wish all of you could have seen Matt's body language when I went down the diaper comment. Like Matt, Matt started like to like, it was great. <laughs> started thinking about like, oh, like our, you know, lifespan is increasing, but what about our health span if we have to? I mean, from a convenience factor, I mean. You eliminate rest stops. I mean, there's all kinds of things that like, there are benefits. Absolutely. I don't disagree with that. Travel time gets cut down dramatically. Think about that. Okay, average trip. Guy, look at my last road trip. Like there was... Two stops at rest stops. If you eliminated those, that's an extra 15 minutes, maybe stopped at each rest stop. That's a half an hour. You get to your destination faster. I could be worth it, man. They should just have mobile charging units then that like ride in the medians of the highways or something. And you could just like plug in while you're driving. And although there's probably something about energy cannot be created nor destroyed that goes along with that whole thing and waste. But, you know, physics, what? <laughs> what's physics? My racing side, because I, I don't have an electric vehicle in my driveway at the moment. I'm thinking like two fuel cells. We can just put those in, carry more gas on board. Drive, I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. All right. So to wrap this up, I just want to say this was a great topic today that I brought to the table. <laughs> I have brought topics, though. We've discussed, I brought some topics. I'm just giving, giving Matt a hard time right now. 
coming down the pipe. So with that being said, uh, Matt, thank you so much for kicking this one around with me. And uh, I appreciate all of your data you bring to the table because you are way faster to go pull stats and information. And I appreciate that. To all of you, welcome to the new year. Yeah, I know we're just kind of getting this thing kicked off. And I want to just say uh, welcome 2023 from everything I'm looking at right now. It uh, has a lot of opportunity around it if you choose to engage it. And get out there, talk with your people, build your relationships, connect with people. People out there will need your help in this new year moving from where they're at right now to where they want to be in the life they want to have because I think they're still trying to figure it out. If you want to know more about our coaching program, go check us out at ninjacoaching.com. You can go to ninjaselling.com. They read the website on there. It's very easy if you're looking for coaching to find it. It's very easy also if you're looking for classes now to find the classes that are available to you out there if it comes down to the installations or if you want to do master or whatnot. And you can learn more about that on the website. Other than that, I'm going to just have an amazing day. Enjoy yourself today. Go have some fun. You too, Matt. Yeah, you too, man. And uh, happy new year to everybody. Here's to a fantastic 23. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be amazing. I'm pumped. Let's kick some butt. Let's do it. Thanks, everyone. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like more, visit us at the ninjasellingpodcast.com. There you will also find links for more information about ninja selling and coaching. Have an incredible day.